how do I know if I'm living by faith or living in unbelief? Is there a more important question to the daily Christian life? It's a question from a listener named Daniel. Hello, Pastor John. Romans 14.23 says that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Could it be said that anything that does proceed from faith glorifies God? Is that also true? If so, how do I know if what I'm doing proceeds from faith or unbelief? I know this seems really basic, but it's also really abstract to me too. I really don't know how to distinguish an act done from faith and an act done from unbelief. Any help would be greatly appreciated to help me understand this distinction. This is a really basic and very important question for mm-hmm. living the Christian life in a way that brings spirit-given peace to the soul and glory to God and good to the world. All, all of that, I think, hangs on what it means to, quote, walk by faith or, quote, live by faith or, quote, perform the obedience of faith or do the works of faith. All four of those are biblical ways of talking about what Daniel is asking about. I mean, how do you do a thing by faith as opposed to do a thing and, it, and it's sin when you do it? Same thing, same act. So that's what the Christian life is. Before we were born again, we did nothing from faith. After we are born again, faith in Jesus as our Redeemer, faith in God as our Father Provider, faith in the Holy Spirit as the power that enables to do something, that's how we live. That's how we do things. We lean on Father, Son, Holy Spirit to do their work in regard to our life. So Daniel points out in his question that Romans 14.23 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Now, that's right, and it has huge implications. Uh, it, It shows that the deeds which externally conform to God's commands, like don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, uh, uh, be kind, don't return evil for evil, those external acts might conform to God's will, but may be sinful because they may be done from a heart that is not trusting Jesus or the Father or the Holy Spirit. Now, that is a radical, God-centered statement about the nature of real virtue. Virtue is not external conformity to God's law. Virtue is conformity to God's law that comes from reliance upon God's love Hmm. and forgiveness and wisdom and power. You see this not only in Romans 14.23, but also in Hebrews 11.6, where it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So nothing we do, no matter how kind it is or how good it is or how it looks on the outside, none of it is pleasing to God if it's not coming from trust in God's forgiveness and guidance and power. You can picture how this works in your own experience. Suppose I say to my teenage son, which they're all grown up now, so not picking on any one of them in particular. <laughs> if, if, if I say to my teenage son, um, who wants to use the car to go to a basketball game tonight, and he says, Dad, can I use the car tonight? To, I said, sure, not a problem. Just would you be sure to wash it before you go, just for the family so we have it clean for the weekend. And he's angry at me for asking him to do that. And he 
goes into his room and slams the door. I said, oh, my goodness, what, what did I just touch? And then suppose half an hour later, I see him out in the driveway with the hose turned on, washing the car. And all the while, while he's washing it, is angry and bitter and resentful toward his dad for making him do this. Is his father pleased by that obedience? And the answer is no. He's heartbroken. He's not pleased. He's heartbroken at this attitude of mere external conformity while he's stewing on the inside without any appreciation or a desire to please his dad. That's that's what it means when it says, even if you conform outwardly to God's law, it is sin. Then Daniel asks whether the reverse is true, that doing something from faith does please God and does glorify God, and the answer is a resounding yes, because Paul says in Romans 4.20, Abraham grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God. My interpretation of that is it was precisely the strengthening of his faith and his acting in faith that drew attention to the glory of God's grace and power in his life. And then 1 Peter says the same thing. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever serves, let him do it, let him serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified. Now, I take that to mean that in every kind of obedient service, we perform in reliance. We, we trust God for the strength and the wisdom and the wherewithal to do what we're called to do. And if we rely upon God as we obey and serve, God gets the glory. He says, the giver of the strength gets the glory for the service. That's what First Peter 4.11 says. We used to quote that over and over again in our prayer room just before we walked into preaching. The more we rely upon power and wisdom from God for our obedience, the more he will get the glory for our obedience. So Daniel asks, finally, how do you identify a deed done from faith as opposed to a good deed done from unbelief. What, what is it like to do something from faith when you might do that very same thing from lack of faith, unbelief? What are the marks? And I'll give you what I think is probably the most important passage or text in the Bible to answer that question, and I think it's that important because it gives three clear marks of a deed done as a work of faith. And in fact, that very phrase is used. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Here it goes. We always pray for you that our God may fulfill every resolve for good— and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus. Oh, my, my, my. Mm. I encourage everybody, everybody, 
to meditate on every single phrase in those two verses. Here's the answer that they give to Daniel's question. A work of faith, a deed done in reliance upon God, will have these three elements. Number one, it involves a resolve for good. In other words, our choices our active, mental, volitional efforts to be involved in God's will, our choices are involved when we bring our decisions into conformity with the good that is in God's Word. So we measure the things we're about to do by what's good, and that is decided by God's Word. Second, a work of faith involves trusting God's power to enable us to do it. Or as he says at the end of the verse, trusting God's grace. And that's true whether it is a deed like faithfulness in martyrdom or brushing your teeth. We we cannot do either of those. If our eyes are open, we know we cannot do either of those apart from God's grace, God's power. Faith gladly knows that, rests in that. And number three, the third mark of a work of faith is that it aims at the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus. So, to live by faith or to walk by faith or to do the works of faith means, one, the thing we aim at is shaped by God's Word, and it is good. Two, the strength to do it is the power of God and we trust in it. Third, the aim of the act is make Christ look glorious. Or to say it one more, one more way, acting by faith means, one, what we do is shaped by the Word of God, how we do it is in the power of God, and the aim in doing it is the glory of God. That's what changes a so-called good deed from being sinful and displeasing to God into an act that is truly virtuous and pleasing to God. A resolve for good, trusting in God to enable us, all aimed at Christ's honor. The Word of God, power of God, glory of God. That's a really helpful little triad, easy to remember. Thank you, Pastor John. And thank you for listening. If you want new episodes of this podcast delivered to you, subscribe to Ask Pastor John in your favorite podcast app in Spotify or by subscribing to DG's YouTube channel. Yes, YouTube. Uh, Based on our recent audience survey, 48% of APJ listeners under the age of 30, 48% under the age of 30, listen to this podcast through YouTube. That's amazing to me. Uh, You can find other episodes in our archive or submit a question to us of your own. Do that online at desiringgod.org forward slash John. Well, yes, Christ stopped one storm, but does he now govern over every storm thereafter? Is such a conclusion a leap, or is it logical? That's up next time when we return on Monday. I'm Tony Ranke. Have a great weekend. We'll see you then.